Hello there. This is Benny, and this is Kyle, and you're listening to the Doctor's Watcher, the podcast where I watch Doctor Who, and I tell you all about it. Yes, uh, that, that's a that's a pretty standard uh, intro there. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used all my creativity thinking up the previous episodes one. It was a good one, <laughs> and, and you know sometimes I feel like sometimes you do have to just do the the standard one so that the other ones can riff off of it because otherwise it's like if you're just riffing on on something that you never hear then is it still a riff or right yeah and you know some listener might pick the the third episode of the second serial of season two as like their intro episode so we we did it for you listener yeah you you never know hypothetical (laughs) So uh, it's a yeah. it's a pretty warm day today here uh-huh. at the Doctor's Watcher Recording Studios. Yeah, I'm in a very kind of shady room right now with the window open. Oh uh, yeah, I've thought about opening my window, but I haven't done it yet because it's I think it's also a bit windy here. Yeah, well, plus sometimes you open the window and it just lets in the hot air. So if it's cooler right. inside, then you, you can keep that closed. Yeah, probably in another hour or two. It'll be to the point that we should think about opening the upstairs windows. Yeah, one of the things I learned when I I visited Kyle's new place is that when he records, he's on the second floor. And I know it tends to be warmer up there in most houses. So, yeah, I imagine you are uh, a little warm up there. (laughs) But, you know, it's all good. I think my partner and I both tend a bit more towards preferring warmth over cold so yeah yeah i, I remember that um when i've visited you before <laughs> especially like over the winter and i'm like wow it is nice and toasty in here <laughs> uh, cool i know i know we uh we usually banter a bit before the episode begins but we had quite a cliffhanger <laughs> or, sorry we had quite a cliff dangler last time so maybe, maybe we can just launch right into it yeah that sounds good to me So that cliff dangler, uh, let's just do this quick, as the doctor is about to be um, transferred, I think we decided the name was, for yeah. people being turned into robo-men. Yeah, so the, that's the Dalek, Dalek term. They, they even took off his, his cool jacket. Um, or was it a cloak? Was it? Uh, no, he's back to a jacket at this point, uh, unfortunately. Well, I mean, you, you can't just you know rock the cloak all the time. Or, yeah. Or, it, it, people start to kind of take it for granted, so that's for special occasions. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he's uh, he's about to be um, turned into a Roboman, and our our other heroes are showing up to try to to stop the Daleks in their saucer, but the bombs that they threw did not work. So things are looking a little bleak for our heroes. Yeah, when Dortmund created those bombs, he thought he rolled well, but he was not privy to the results of the DM's opposed check. And yeah, it turns out that was better. 
(laughs) (laughs) So this episode starts with the continuation of the big attack from the resistance fighters at the end of the previous episode. Excellent. Inside of the saucer, a resistance member is able to rescue the doctor and fireman carries him away from the robotization transfer process table this is in true Doctor Who fashion within like the first minute or two of the episode. Does he just like walk into the room, pick up the doctor and, and leave? <laughs> Basically, he uh <laughs> nice. He's one of the one of the resistance fighters who's wearing the fake head neck braces. Oh, okay. And he waits until like the Roboman who's like the nurse assistant for the transfer process has turned his back and then he basically just like knocks that Roboman to the ground and like picks up the doctor and walks out. Okay, cool. And yes, very typical Doctor Who uh, Cliff Dangler resolution <laughs> timeline there. Uh huh. Barbara and Jenny, of course, are among the resistance fighters. And we do get a very brief barbarian reunion. Nice. But it gets cut short when Ian has to duck back inside the saucer to avoid getting caught by a Dalek. Is that all you're going to tell us of the reunion, Kyle? Do they do they embrace, do they <laughs> gaze upon each other? Are there words, tender words exchanged? Oh, hi, Matilda. Or do they just meow at each other? <laughs> uh, it was it was mostly just words. I don't think they actually embraced. Um, uh, uh, yeah, it was. Like I said, it was a brief reunion, and it's like in the middle of the fight, so... Well, still. They didn't have a whole lot of time. (laughs) All right, all right. So Ian ducks back inside the saucer. Meanwhile, more bombs are being thrown, and resistance fighters are, like, tipping Daleks over, and film negativity beams are going off, and the resistance group mounts its retreat and a lot of them get away uh, but not all of them some of them got uh, film negative some of them got film negative and well, at least they managed to tip over some daleks yeah <laughs> and some of them including ian are still on the saucer hmm. yeah ian is basically hiding on the saucer and he overhears the black dalek give the order that every survivor is to be destroyed. Destroyed? Destroyed. Destroyed? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, you're killing me, Daleks. (laughs) Not not with the uh, film negativity beams. (laughs) Back in the underground resistance headquarters... It is a pretty grim scene once everyone's like re, you know, returned to the home base and whatever. Okay. Jenny and Barbara are there, and Dortmund and Tyler are there, and that's it, basically. Tyler is telling Dortmund that his bombs sucked and like everybody died. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine he's he's pretty he's pretty you know unhappy about that right now. So sometimes you just gotta uh, tell the other person how you feel. I guess. <laughs> uh-huh. Dorman wants to keep working on trying to improve the bomb, 
but Tyler thinks that's a bad idea. Well, who's going to use it for you? Me, one man. These two. Use your intelligence. Hmm. I don't like that beast too. Yeah. He and Jenny both think that they need to clear out of the head queue and get to another secret location. <laughs> Did you just say head queue? <laughs> <laughs> so, listeners, uh, in case you're wondering what that is, uh, <laughs> it's a standard term for headquarters. Uh, it is if if you're familiar with our Dungeons and Dragons game, where one time <laughs> I misspoke and called the the headquarters or HQ. I couldn't decide what to say, so I called it the head Q. And ever since then, Kyle's been dragging me <laughs> by calling it, or maybe I called it the H quarters, and you were like, actually, it's a head Q or something. And in any case, Kyle has been having the time of his life with this. And <laughs> it's to me, it is hilarious. Just so you know, it, it's the the canonical term for for headquarters. You know, the canon- canonical shorthand term for headquarters. In yes. the fantasy world that we played our D and D game in, <laughs> thanks to Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Tyler and Jenny think that they need to clear out of the head queue and get to another secret location because the Daleks are going to be tearing London apart looking for them after this attack. You know, cool. I dig it. Barbara is concerned about this plan because. If Susan comes looking for them, she's not going to know like where the other secret location is. Mm-hmm. But there's not really any other option. And Jenny thinks that there is a possibility that Barbara's friends might already be at the other location, which is the Civic Transport Museum. Seems very, very fallout to uh, set your, your other headquarters your other head queue in a museum yeah yeah this whole serial was definitely like felt at times like like half-life 2 as we previously mentioned and at other times Uh like fallout for sure very cool that's a good combo yeah so yeah tyler heads out to try to look for more survivors from the attack and barbara and dortmund start making plans to travel through London to the Civic Transport Museum. Cool. Jenny points out to Barbara that ableism would help the two of them out. They could <laughs> they could travel much faster if they leave Dortmund behind. I had a feeling that's what you meant. <laughs> but, you know, Barbara is like, you know, true, true, but... That'd be pretty fucking shitty of us. Dortmund needs our help. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. they all prepare to head out. She's like, yeah, can we not be shitty to this <laughs> uh, person, please? Uh-huh. I know his bombs sucked, but that's no reason to leave him behind. He could still make better bombs. You never know. He He could roll better next time. Also, you know... Maybe a person's survival. I know this is the post-apocalypse and everything's shitty and terrible, but maybe a person's survival shouldn't just be predicated on their usefulness to the group. Yeah. Um, but maybe maybe we've already passed such a, you know, soft-hearted um, considerations at this point. 
<laughs> so we cut to the saucer, and on the saucer we learn from the Daleks that London is to be firebombed to destruction. Nice. I mean, not really, but <laughs> yeah. a concept. The saucer lifts off to fly off to the mine workings in central England. And Ian, who, of course, is hiding in a Millennium Falcon smuggler's floor panel. Nice. After a few moments, he feels safe enough to climb out of it. And he does this just in time to see Craddock who is now robotized, escorting another human into the room to get robotized as well. And we, we assume the other human is also, I guess that would be like a member of the resistance group that got caught. Yeah, presumably. Dang. When he sees Ian, though, Craddock drops this other prisoner and starts threatening to robotize Ian, but... Ian manages to like throw him to the ground, yeah, which person of action. Yeah, totally. This like kind of breaks the head neck thing. And in the ensuing struggle, this other human prisoner manages to like detach some wiring or something from the head neck thing. Mm. And, this seems to basically like deactivate and scramble the Roboman. It kind of stumbles around blindly for a few moments until it stumbles into the robotization machinery, which like sparks and shorts out and Roboman Craddock slumps to the floor. All right. Well, um, yeah, I was wondering when they broke the, the head neck brace thing, it's like, Oh, is he going to snap out of it? Um, probably not. Nope. At this point. <laughs> yeah, it turns out there's no out of it. Ah, uh, well. Ian starts talking to this other prisoner, who is a guy named Larry. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Sorry if any of our listeners' names are Larry, but for some reason that was funny. <laughs> Larry apparently smuggled himself aboard the saucer. I guess he's not, like, specifically one of the Resistance fighters. Hmm. Larry's brother was taken to the mine workings in Bedfordshire. So Larry is trying to go save him. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, you know, smuggled himself on board the saucer because that's the, the fastest way to Bedfordshire. <laughs> sure. So the two of them dump Roboman Craddock's body into the disposal chute and then they climb back into the Millennium Falcon smugglers floor panel and wait out the rest of the journey. Well, uh, needless to say, I quite approve of these Millennium Falcon smugglers panels as well as the, uh, the garbage chute. Yeah, totally. That's some excellent set design there. <laughs> it was pretty good. Like Ian kind of wonders, you know, what should we do with this 
Roboman body, and Larry's just like, oh, you know, these rooms all have disposal chutes in it. We'll just dump them down that. Very convenient. And, and yeah, and they do. We cut to David and Susan, who we haven't seen in a little while. They are traveling together through the city. They're, like, hiding from Daleks as they go. At one point, while they're in hiding, they overhear a Dalek kill someone who wouldn't comply with it. And, yeah, Susan breaks down a little bit, wishing that they could just get back to the TARDIS and GTFO to somewhere that's never even heard of Daleks. Yeah, it's like, on the one hand, I'm like, oh, yay, Dalek episode. But then I'm like, well, sorry, sorry, you know, to the cast, because now you're going to have to deal with Daleks. Uh-huh. David says that he wouldn't be able to come anyway, but Susan thinks that maybe he could. She thinks that she could ask her grandfather, and, you know, surely he would allow David to come along. But David's not actually interested in this. He <laughs> He's like, I was just being nice. I just don't <laughs> want to come with you. Uh-huh. <laughs> he basically says that he doesn't want to, like, run away from problems all the time. Because, you know, when she's talking about somewhere where they've not heard of Daleks, and he's like, you know, what happens when a bad thing happens there? And she's like, oh, we'll just leave and go somewhere else. You know, yeah, I mean, I can understand not wanting to run away from all your problems, but when your problems are that a murderous alien race has conquered <laughs> your entire planet, I'm like, go for it. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> if the opportunity presents itself, get out of there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, apparently, apparently he's invested here. He says, This is my planet. I just can't run off and see what it's like in Venus. Or we could go to another time on the same planet. <laughs> Susan says that she's never really had a home or anywhere that she actually belonged. Oh, dang. I've never had any real identity. And wow. I'm like, isn't that kind of the writer's fault? But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that her lack of an identity could be an interesting thing for the... I know this isn't going to happen, let's just be honest. <laughs> if, the, if the writers kind of explore that a little more, I think that yeah. would be actually really fascinating. He says that she will someday. There'll come a time when you're forced to stop traveling, and you'll arrive somewhere. And then he adds... And this definitely isn't meant to be foreshadowing or anything, you know? Just saying. <laughs> All right, well, yeah. At least he didn't... I was, there was a little part of me that's like, someday you'll marry a nice man and then settle down, <laughs> raise uh -huh. kids. So at least we didn't <laughs> go quite there. <laughs> the two of them hear a noise. So Susan, like crouches down in the cover and David gets out his knife and goes to see what the noise was. And it turns out that the noise was the resistance person who saved the doctor. And oh. like, he still has the doctor with him. Oh, handy. Yeah. <laughs> the doctor is like super out of it. 
you know, the, the Daleks had drugged him up for the robotization procedure. And these drugs are like only starting to kind of wear off a little bit, maybe. So he's still like mostly unconscious. Hmm. They set him down and like make sure he's comfortable and whatever and start discussing their plans. This resistance guy who saved the doctor wants to travel to the coast and he intends to go alone. He figures it'll be easier to avoid Daleks that way and things are pretty quiet and safe and Dalek free at the coast. So like once he gets there, it should be pretty chill. Everyone's like, all right, random person whose name we can't even remember. If you want to go travel off by yourself, good luck. <laughs> Sounds good to us. <laughs> Susan and David need to stay in London and meet up with Barbara and Ian, of course. Mm-hmm. So, with this discussion complete, all the plans made, the unnamed resistance guy leaves the hiding place and walks straight into a pair of patrolling Daleks who immediately film negativize him to death. <laughs> uh, R.I.P. We hardly knew ye. <laughs> and because this is a black and white show, we... we can't actually like know for sure if he was wearing a red shirt or not. <laughs> That's true. So we can only assume that he was. Oh, of course. <laughs> but but honor, honorable mention for saving the doctor. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Hi, I hope you're enjoying the episode. If you like our podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you'd like to ask us a question, share your thoughts, or make fun of us, you can email us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweet us at drwatcher. Thanks for listening, and now back to the episode. From this, we cut to possibly one of my favorite Doctor Who sequences so far. Nice. I'm excited to find out more because the I think uh, one of the previous times that you said that it was the the fourth wall um, elevator scene. Oh right, uh, with Barbara and uh, yeah, these tend to be good. Which was also in a Dalek serial. That's true. Oh, oh, that's true. So this sequence is entirely wordless and. It's scored entirely in drums, which I'm sure I'll drop in a sample of. All right. And it is the sequence of Jenny, Dortmund, and Barbara traveling through London. So we start with Jenny and Barbara, like, pushing the wheelchair up to a staircase at the bottom of a bridge. They help Dortmund out of the wheelchair, and he's got, you know, these canes. He's got a couple of canes that he uses as he, like, struggles his way up the steps, and Jenny and Barbara carry his chair up the steps. Everyone has to duck for a minute as a pair of Daleks drive past 
across Westminster Bridge and kind of look around. And then we get a shot of Jenny and Barbara, like, pushing the wheelchair as they run at full speed, like, down the middle of this deserted street across the bridge. Pushing the wheelchair with Dortmund in it, I assume. Right, right. Okay. And, yeah, then we, we cut back and forth between shots of the three of them and shots of Daleks in London. They're running, pushing the wheelchair down the sidewalk. Daleks are patrolling outside the House of Parliament. Nice. Our protagonists run through the streets, pushing the wheelchair to Whitehall and Trafalgar Square, where more Daleks are on patrol. There are also Daleks patrolling at the Albert Memorial in Kensington Gardens. <laughs> and Kyle, of course, recognizes all of these from all of these by sight. <laughs> Naturally. You may have at some point seen like old publicity photographs of Daleks at various London landmarks. And if you have seen those, they were almost certainly like from the filming of this sequence. There was a lot of like promotional photography that went on during the filming, and I think a lot of those photos have survived. Very cool. I'm into it. The Civic Transport Museum is empty, other than Jenny, Barbara, and Dorman. But Jenny is able to read the markings left by the resistance fighters that indicate that some of them traveled to the south coast. So, you know, of course, the whole idea was hopefully there will be more people there. That apparently didn't pan out. They've already left. Ain't nobody got the budget for that, Kyle. <laughs> I mean, Dor- you know, we, we hired all those extras for that assault on the uh, the saucer. Uh-huh. But yeah, we only paid them for a few days of filming, so. Yeah, I guess we could just reuse the same extras. But yeah, nope. I'll assume that exactly right. We only paid them for that one episode. <laughs> Dorman has been working more on his bomb. He is, of course, trying to develop something that will be effective against the metal in the Dalek's casing. We don't know very much about it. Uh, we call it Dalekinian. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I thought that was pretty great. It's, you know, right up there with Unobtainium and... Various better. others that I'm not thinking of in this moment. It's better. Yeah, yeah, I'd say better. <laughs> he doesn't think that Dalekinium is what they're mining in Bedfordshire, though, because, like, they would have had a Dalekinium before they came to Earth. Yeah, I don't think that's a naturally occurring um, <laughs> mineral on Earth. Uh huh. Barbara wishes that the doctor were around, and Dorman says that he does too. And Barbara's like, uh, WTF, you don't even know him. But Dorman's like, He's a man of science, he said, and I should like to show the results of my experiments to another scientist. <laughs> uh, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> 
because um, uh, yeah, he he certainly is yeah a man of science, and I guarantee you he would be happy to look at the results of your experiments. But uh, <laughs> what would what would follow might not be what you have in mind. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, giving feedback is definitely something that the doctor would like to do. Yes, feel free to uh, to solicit the feedback because then you'll feel like you had some say in whether or not the doctor was going to give you feedback. Even though <laughs> I can tell you right now, you did not. <laughs> so Barbara thinks that the doctor might have tried to get to the mines in Bedfordshire to see what's going on there. And Jenny's like... If he's alive. Okay, cool. Yeah. Debbie Downer. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara scoffs, saying... Well, of course he's alive. And Jenny's like, Why? What's so special about the doctor? He doesn't wear some sort of invisible shield, does he? Just his PC halo. Uh-huh. Barbara's like, huh, maybe I should suggest to the doctor that he gets an invisible shield. That sounds pretty rad. Dorman asks Jenny to go keep watch outside. And... When she leaves, he basically tells Barbara to, like, not take it personally or whatever. Everyone deals with the stress of fighting Daleks in their own way. Yeah. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. You just don't know how you're going to react to the stress of fighting Daleks until you're fighting Daleks. You know, sometimes the way that you deal with the stress of fighting Daleks is by making disparaging comments about the mortality of your acquaintance's friends. Yeah, it's valid. You, you don't know. I mean, no, who, who among us, none of us, knows how we would react to that until we find ourselves in the ruins of our city um, dodging Daleks. Indeed. So Dortmund also asks Barbara to give the doctor his notes on the bomb. And she's like, uh, give them to him yourself. And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Let's head to Bedford, I guess. Go get Jenny. Tell her that we're ready to GTFO. I mean, if he has a copy of the notes, and <laughs> both carry a copy just in case. Uh-huh. But Barbara heads outside to get Jenny. And while she's gone, Dortmund gathers up his walking sticks and his bomb and leaves his notebook on the table and wheels himself on out through a different exit. I'm sure he'll be fine, listeners. <laughs> Jenny and Barbara return and find him gone, of course, and they follow him out the other exit in time to watch from a distance as he calls the Daleks and gets their attention and climbs up out of his wheelchair, takes a few steps forward and throws the bomb at the Daleks as they kill him via film negativizing. I, I'm afraid I may have misled you listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's not going to be okay. So I thought I would talk about the actual action of firing the film negativizing gun here, because I don't think I've like fully described it before. 
So the gun itself consists of a gun stick protruding from the Dalek's shoulder area and braced by gun rods that surround it and extend like the full length of it. There are also some gun mantles bracing the gun rods. And when the gun fires, a device that looks kind of like a potato masher, but not a fucked up one, like an actual one, goes like out and in and out and in and out and in from the gun stick. And as this happens, the film negativizes and you die just like Dorman dies here. Huh. I, I had imagined a much less uh, involved process where basically you just look at the gun and then the film negativizes. So <laughs> that's, that's good to know. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's got moving parts. Wow. So unfortunately, he continued to roll poorly on his bomb development and even in the death of an NPC his bombs still were ineffective. Well, we got to save that for the big finale because he left those notes and now the doctor has the opportunity or will have the opportunity to improve them. And then we can, yeah, use the improved formula in the big, big climactic showdown at the end. Indeed. So he dies and Barbara pulls Jenny into hiding basically behind one of the Civic Transport Museum displays as a Dalek approaches. But the Dalek just sees, like, a mannequin from the museum and kind of gets confused and then rolls away. Mm. We cut back to Susan and her grandfather, who is now awake and regaining his energy. They are discussing what to do next, And Susan tells him that David says that they should go meet up with the resistance group up north. But the doctor says that he doesn't give a shit what David says. He's he's the decider. He thinks they should go back to the TARDIS. Well, if uh, something tells me that if Susan had said, let's go back to the TARDIS, then the doctor would be like, nope. I'm the decider. We're going to meet up with those resistance groups up north. (laughs) Susan points out that going back to the TARDIS would be pointless at this point because they need help to clear the debris that's burying the TARDIS. And, of course, London is full of Daleks. And, of course, they don't have uh, Ian and Barbara, but not really sure if the doctor really... uh, (laughs) cares that much yeah that's questionable whether that's a concern at this point the doctor asks do you question my authority child hmm?" and she's just like no it's just that David actually lives here and knows what the fuck is going on and also could you please stop calling me a child but yeah we all know that ain't gonna happen (laughs) yeah David shows up at this point in the conversation and he tells them that there are basically Dalek patrols everywhere and Susan asks what they should do. David's like, Oh, I don't know. Mm. What would you suggest, sir? 
Oh, boy. Which surprises the doctor. But, yeah, David's like... Well, you're the senior member of the party, sir. And I would be grateful for your help. Yes. <laughs> uh, he's trying to suck up to the doctor because he's Susan's grandfather. And our, our dude here is... It's got plans in that area. Um, well, at least he seems to have the doctor's number. <laughs> have the doctor's motivation all figured out. Yeah, this is just about the best way to suck up to suck up to the doctor. Yes, exactly. So the doctor actually ends up suggesting that maybe they should go meet up with the resistance group up north, but really. David should decide because he lives here and knows what the fuck is going on. And Susan is very pleased with this. It's a very good idea, Grandfather. Hmm? What? I said it's a very good idea. Yes, I think it's a very good idea. <laughs> I, well, I, I guess all I can say is kudos to Susan for dealing <laughs> with him. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure I'd be able to deal with him for as long as she has. Yeah, for for sure. So on the saucer, Ian and Larry are still hiding in the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's floor panel. Larry is telling Ian about the theory that his brother who works at the mines has formulated... Larry's brother apparently thinks that the Daleks want the magnetic core of the Earth. Nice, nice. That's that's like classic supervillain stuff right there. Yeah, totally. There's no indication in this theory about like why they might might want it or like what they might do with it once they've mined it out. I guess. Yeah, that's that's not that. We don't need to know. But, that. yeah, who needs that? The full yeah, extent the of the theory the is the they want the magnetic core of the Earth. Like, what more do you need? Exactly. Suddenly, the background noise stops, and they hear a Dalek voice ordering, Lower up and disembark! Oh, still. They wait while Daleks, Robomen, and prisoners all head on out of the saucer, and... Once all that noise has stopped, they figure that it's clear, and they climb out of the smuggler's floor panel. Ian wonders how they should get out. I guess he doesn't want to just, like, walk down the main ramp, which seems smart. Uh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, he wonders how they should get out, and Larry's like, The disposal chute. Once we get through the outer door, make for the nearest cover. It's our only chance. Huh. Well, um, I guess the disposal chute just leads to the outside. Yeah, that was a bit unclear. Is it just like a a tube that opens up to the outside, like or near the outside? Yeah. The door? I mean, I will say that several years ago, probably you know, fifteen years ago, when my partner and I went and did like the post-college backpacking trip through Europe, there were some countries that on the train 
their toilets in, you know, the train restroom were just like holes onto the track. Wow. So, you know, like built up into a seat and whatever, but, but they led to just, the seat led to just like a, an empty hole onto the track. <laughs> and you're just looking down at the, the tracks going by. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. So, you know, maybe, maybe the Dalek saucers are like that. <laughs> cool. Ian wonders what's out there. And Larry is like, who the fuck knows? And climbs on into the disposal chute. <laughs> well, Larry, person of action. Yeah, I think, I think Larry has, has earned his person of action title now. Yes. We cut to two Robomen who are carrying this large object around. And nearby, David, Susan, and her grandfather are discussing their plans. The doctor wants to leave immediately. You know, if we're going to head up north, let's go now. But Susan and David want to wait just a few more minutes. Because David looked just now and there were loads of Daleks. So, you know, wait for the Dalek activity to die down a bit before we head out. Makes sense. If if we think there's a any chance that the Daleks will go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's unclear whether the Dalek activity will actually die down or not, but but it's a nice thought. Yeah. The two Robomen put their large object down on the ground, not too far from our protagonist's hiding place. Mm. And the Robomen walk away, and the camera zooms in on what looks to be a kitchen timer ticking down as the ticking sound gets louder and louder, and the title's next episode... The End of Tomorrow appear on screen. Very cool. What a good title. I feel like we've had similar ones, um, but yeah. Always a fan. Yeah, Terry's doing a good job of coming up with some evocative episode titles here. Yes, for sure. I mean, I guess calling the second episode The Daleks was a little boring, but, you know, other than that, we've had, like, World's End and Day of Reckoning. Those are both pretty good. I like I like the, the idea that, like, the, you know, when the next episode was The Daleks, then you saw the Dalek come out of the water and you're like, oh shit, it's a Dalek. And then it's like, next episode, the Daleks, like, hell yeah, Daleks. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> Pause here for, you know, cheers and applause from the audience. Well, and I guess in season one, the serial was sort of unofficially called the Daleks. Like that was the name for the whole serial. But obviously here in this serial, that's the name of an episode. And I think at this point, it would not be a spoiler to tell you that the name of the full serial is 
the Dalek invasion of Earth. Well, I guess that means this is the only time the Daleks will ever threaten Earth. Yep. Yeah, this is the Dalek invasion, not a Dalek invasion of Earth. <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, it's good to know we can rest assured in some of these things. Like, you know, rest assured the Daleks were destroyed after the first Dalek serial and we'll never see them again. Rest assured that this is the Dalek invasion of Earth and they'll never threaten Earth again. Yep. I will just assume both of these things at the same time and not really uh, examine them too closely. I think. <laughs> well, cool. This is a good one. Another good Dalek-tastic episode. Um, and, you know, I know that we uh, probably should come up with a ship for David and Susan um, Suvid. Uh, I'm so, I'm so kind of like you know, unenthused about that whole ship that I don't yeah. even be particularly bothered to come up with a good ship name I for I mean, it. yeah, Suvid seems like the best we're gonna we're gonna be willing to put the effort into coming up with. Yeah, that's a bit of a meh. <laughs> cool. But other than that, other than the uh, the dearth of ships so far, um and even our barbarian moment was just a quick little one. Um, nevertheless, this has been a good serial so far, so I'm curious to see what's next. They've really had the party split pretty effectively, this serial. Uh, you mentioning the barbarian moment, which just makes me think of that, because you know Barbara and Susan were kind of together for a little while, but now they're split. Ian and the Doctor were kind of together for a while, but now they're split. But then, like, Susan and the Doctor have reunited, and Ian and Barbara got their brief moment, but now they've split up again, and yeah, it's a lot for the, the DM to keep track of, I think. But <laughs> and, but they seem uh, to be handling it well. Yeah, same to you, listeners. If you're keeping track of all this, um, then kudos to you. Well, oh, cool. shall yeah, we wrap it up so. here? I guess I have to wait three weeks to find out what happens next, but uh, <laughs> that's all the time that we had for uh, for recording today. So, yeah, um, thank you, Kyle, for uh, watching Doctor Who and telling me about it. And listeners, we'll see you next time in two weeks for you. Sounds Bye. good. Bye. Hi, it's Benny. Kyle and I would like to thank Circuit 23 for our theme song. You can find its sweet, sweet tunes, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23 at gmail.com. Thank you to Kyle for talking to me about Doctor Who. And thank you, listener, for listening to me, listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. You can always chat with us by emailing thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweeting at doctorwatcher. It always makes our day to see a new review on iTunes. And with that, please join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher.
Supreme Command have given orders for London to be destroyed by firebombs. Do you intend to stay here in the city? Now, order the saucer to take me to the mine workings in central England. Five, four, three. 